Geeks, friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and man who is an island, man who puts himself in fish, man who does not like to share. I knew I was going to have to be Ray Stevenson for this. Alex Dandino. <laughs> Dandino is an island. Dandino knows how to protect himself. Neither here nor there. People business before today's just quit episode. People at official, we're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash pod. The best way to support the show, the best way to get more of the show, but also the best way to uh, help craft the show, right? So you get a vote on our Patreon exclusive libraries over there. We have a big, ever-growing library. Commentaries, mini series. We're always trying to ask our patrons what we can do to make it better for them. So if there's something you'd like to see on the show, something you want to help steer the show uh, in that direction, get on over to patreon.com slash pod. Especially important this month, if you are able to support us and you can, if you could be so kind, Patreon is the only way you can get every episode in the October Mega Marathon, right? 31 days, 31 pods. We're but a month away. We've been working hard to get ahead of that. If you go to Patreon, that's where our uh, our commentary and our two Patreon exclusives will exist to fill in the entire. You know it's October. Gonna, we are Halloween fanatics. You're gonna want. You know you want a pod every single day. You know you want that pod every day, right? It just feels better, right? Thirty one is better than twenty eight. You know you want that. So go to Patreon.com/slash Film Alchemist Pod to support. Make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube channel Film Alchemist. The email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on every social media you're on, I think. Now there's like a fucking ton of them. So go on over there. Follow us. Give us a follow. We'll see what's up. Uh, Also, make sure you leave the five-star ratings and reviews on any podcast app you find. Podcast, uh, all the podcast apps you find them, right? Help us defeat the algorithmic lighthouse keeper that won't just let us be. Won't just let us write a little journal of nature. Won't let us be. Won't let us live. Yeah, won't let us in because he's getting in. Fucking knows that survival's on the line. Don't be, help us defeat these digital gruners. Don't be that guy. All right. If you haven't figured it out yet, we are starting the pod gets wit month. Wit. Wit. With uh, a movie that I love, Cold Skin. Now, (laughs) I know the letterbox love for this movie was not as much as I had thought. I watched this movie right when it came out, loved it. Uh, today was a different experience, man. The letterbox was not as loving as I thought, but it was really awesome to just sit and rewatch this movie, get a, another like just powerhouse Ray Stevenson hour. Yeah. Uh, RIP Ray Stevenson. We lost him earlier this year. He is so fucking good, man. He was a great, I remember falling in love with Ray Stevenson in college when we started watching Rome because Sopranos was such a big transcendent hit that anything they put out, we just watched. Yeah. Right, and they Rome was awesome. I loved. It. They had this slew of like terrible shows I hated, like John from Cincinnati, I think it was called, or John from Cleveland, <laughs> no, whatever. It was John from Cincinnati. Yeah. I was like, I don't like these shows, but they're on HBO. I have to watch. Like, I would watch anything they made. Right. And Rome came out, and he played Titus Pulo, right? This this legionnaire who went into kind of a life of crime, became a mafia boss, whatever. But I just remember seeing this guy. I'm like, what a fucking treasure of a man they have found here. And then obviously he went on to. You know, a great career as a, a character actor, kind of a villain. He got to play the Punisher in Punisher Warzone. Which he was great. Which is by far the superior Punisher movie. Yes. Just a great powerhouse actor, man. Um, 
and now we got to spend time with him today in this really meaty role for him. Uh, and I, I loved him as Gruner. So Cold Skin is the story of a young lad who's sent to an island to be a weather official. There's a lighthouse keeper on said island, right? He shows up. The weather official's not there that he's replacing, and he begins his journey into uh, Monsters and Madness uh, with this lighthouse keeper named Gruna. Gruna. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting movie. This movie is fucking cold. This movie strips out a lot of the humanity piece of the film. This is essentially the lighthouse, but you strip out all the art house. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly this is just how I put it. Two men getting real down and down and gross with each other. Um, so Alex, opening thoughts on cold skin. Yeah, it's hard not to watch this movie and think of the lighthouse, but it's not the lighthouse, like even in the slightest. Um the it, it has like the uh, if Edgar Allan Poe lived on an island at one point in his life and was like, you know, I'm really sad. I'm going to write about it. This is probably close to something he would have come up with. It's close. Yeah. Like this is like got that nice gothic horror flavor for all you folks out there that like that kind of stuff. I I'd never seen this movie. I really liked it. Yeah. Um. It was a really interesting. It was a really. It's just a really interesting. I mean, I think it's very interesting. It's the sexiest meteorology movie you could ever come up with. I think. Uh. Uh. Incorrect. Twister. Those guys weren't meteorologists. They were storm chasers. Okay. Be That's real. the same exact job. No. 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 One is more adventurous and awesome. This is not that. Just because one's in a truck and not in front hey, of a green don't tree. Don't dare the same job. Bill Paxton. How dare you? I'm just saying Bill Paxton and everyone on the cast of Twister fucks. Uh, you know why they call Bill? And only one person in this movie fucks, and it's gross. <laughs> Let me tell you something here. While we might have lost both Bill Paxton and Ray Stevenson, there's only one man, meteorology-wise, they can call extreme, and that's Bill Paxton, my friend. Anyways, neither here Sad, dude. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. Now I'm sad, man. These movies are just... like. Treasure troves These have lost little, great Yeah, actors. like this is like one of those like it's like a lost Ray Stevenson movie. It's really sad because he's just very good. Um He's really yeah. good in it. Again, sexy meteorology, fish people, uh fucking fish people. I don't even think they're meteorologists yet. All they had was just like little fucking telescopes. Well that and was my thing is like is because I he was, was trying, more of a nature man. I was trying to like. divine: is it meteorology, or are you just doing like the Darwin thing, where you're just observing and reporting? Because like, yeah, because he was a weather official. That first but... night when he's in his little shack, he's flipping yeah. through supposedly the old meteorologist notebooks. Yeah, and like, there's a, I, I do love like when th- when these kinds of things happen in this movie, in this kind of movie. Um, these like they're not I don't know how to describe them properly because they're not like needle drops or anything. It's more just like, um, or like the bottom dropping out of the not the narrative, but like <laughs> viola drops. But when he's like, <laughs> but when he's like flipping through the notebook that first night and just scrawled next to his drawings like Darwin was wrong. I'm like. <gasps> awesome like that's the kind of shit i really that's the kind of shit i really like about the beginning the tops of movies well it's one of those it's like the art director's like they're gonna know it's darwin they're gonna know it's darwin we need to address meanwhile this is 1000 percent darwin yeah this is a man who's left right when darwin went to the galapagos right 
And all of a sudden he's like, look at this treasure trove of beasts that have evolved independently from my, my fucking mother Europe, right? Because they've had this yeah. different environment right. with which to... Because in the drawing, we see even these little abominations yeah, that we yeah, don't absolutely. see in the movie, right? Like one's devouring and all this stuff, And I was like, <laughs> this is exactly Darwin. This is a, a cold, remote rock in the middle of the ocean where this entirely new species that is unknown to us has just evolved from like the ancient times in a different way it is darwin right. it is darwin but neither here nor there right but can i the before thesis we, of the movie oh yeah go ahead before we go further can i um can i quote something that might be of interest to you now here's the thing Hold. for those of you who are new to the show but those of you who have been around for a while if anything is more if there's any griffy catnip for a film besides just unadulterated murder in a lot of horror films from whatever happened in from russia with love when those two ladies fought for him that's number one yeah number, number two, two with a bullet is superimposed type at the top of a movie now before you hear anything before you see anything mm, this I'm glad is my the, nipples are off camera this is a mm, this is the <laughs> this is the fart smelling nipple tweaking kind of stuff the Griffey's all the first part, not as much that I was thinking it was more of a fine charcuterie of things. I like oh, that's OK, cool. So we're going to be refined. A yeah. pro charcuterie. A fine charcuterie with like this is the beluga caviar within the charcuterie of Griffey's. Uh, this is the stack of lunchable cheese. And no, don't make yourself seem I like I a common man. This is a very this is common a, man. This common is, man. This is Griffey's. This is Griffey's catnip caviar. Whoever <laughs> fights monsters should see it should see to it that it, in the process he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. Friedrich True. Nietzsche. Extra extra important words as we prepare ourselves for the October uh, Mega Marathon. No shit. But having said all that, this is the first thing we see of this movie. And when I, I paused it, actually, and screenshotted that so I could read it, <laughs> A, but also remember, this is definitely a Griffey movie. I would like a whole pod where you just read to me and try to take attack my bona fides as a real American. Excuse me, I'm not, not attacking your bona fides at all. I'm saying that this is the thing that makes a movie. Like, oh, love it! If a movie could not be any more, any less your flavor, like no, anything like a rom com with you know mm -hmm. whatever, like something that is completely the opposite of Griffey's taste. If it starts that way. You will at least watch the first five minutes. Oh, for certain. For yeah. certain. I, I like the. I mean, Stephen King does this before every single chapter of every one of his books. He puts a quote it's from great. another story. Absolutely. It kind of sets you in a mindset for what the journey is. I right? like so that this too. one is. I like it too. Monster fighter, beware that you don't become more monstrous than what you're fighting. Right. Right. You stare into the abyss. What if it stares back? What if it stares back at you and you don't like what it sees or it doesn't like what it sees? Right. 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 Famous quote that I've always loved. We meet Gruner, who's this essentially just strung out drunk. Yeah. Right? Ray Stevenson. It's hard for him to even... We get the sense that it wasn't Typhus that killed the other guy. We get the sense that he's lying. Mm -hmm. But he's playing very... It's almost as if he, he doesn't recognize other human beings. Yeah. Right? That he doesn't need... So his Gruner in this film is so fucking removed and remote. And he's hard to suffer for a lot of the movie, right? He's just this really brutal, <laughs> brutal man. Yeah. That I think they tie up beautifully at the end of the film, but it kind of sets us on our paces. And the movie pretty quickly gets to, he's sitting there just having his little tobacco and reading this journal. 
and all of a sudden we're in a full-on monster attack movie. Yeah. Right? These these creatures from the deep, right? They they come out in droves yeah. and they they fucking start attacking his house. He fights, he defends himself. The house gets mostly burned down. This sets us to a point where now and honestly, I think the monsters in this movie are fucking awesome. Great. I really And they liked do a great job of Yes, the they do a great job of mixing when they're practical and when they use from afar to show them with CG crawling and moving yeah. at different speeds and paces. The practical well, makeup in wonderful. this was I this is the thing I really appreciated. It wasn't this grotesquerie of modern science a lot of the time that we see what i liked the most was that they really were like these streamlined characters of almost just like they looked like sh- like this just like sort of like humanoid sharks it was really interesting i liked the character design a yeah. lot they're what a mermaid would actually yeah. look like probably. i really appreciated right? it absolutely yeah i i thought i just thought they were so cool because again this movie's also kind of shape of water if you strip out the whimsy you know what i mean <laughs> that's, that's if there's definitely no foreplay it, yeah. in musical and it's just like you know, fucking hot flesh, yeah. meat, cold flesh. Right. And it's gross and you don't like it. Um, But that that's the movie. That's the pace we're on, right? Is Gruner sets up. Hey, you can come to my lighthouse if you bring wares, right? If you got booze, you got potatoes for vodka making, and you got tobacco, you can come here and just live like the shittiest life ever with me. Fine. <laughs> The impetus for the movie begins, right? Because they're they're fighting monsters and this and that. Yeah. The impetus is when he follows Gruner and he finds that one of the creatures attacks him, right? Mm-hmm. And he's up close with it. He's ready to fight back. And Gruner has a gun on him. He has a gun on the creature. And Gruner's like, don't, don't kill her. Yeah. Right? And he starts doing the, you know, this is my pal. It's wearing a Chris Evans sweater. Be cool. And he relents, and this sets us on the path of the movie, right? Right. He needs Gruner to survive these waves of monster. Meanwhile, there's a monster in the house that Gruner lives with. Mm -hmm. That story expands as well as we go. Um, And this is our our setup, right? Is he's essentially this naturologist. Even if he's a meteorologist, he's kind of a low-key, like, Darwinist. Yeah, definitely a Darwinist. Taking in the wonders of this new creature that's evolved without us. Meanwhile, just slaughtering hundreds of said creature's brethren. Like, they kill a lot of these fucking yeah, creatures. In the a movie. lot. A lot. Like a so shocking it, it, amount. It exists in this odd this odd place, right? This odd... Because he says at one point, he said that Gruner shows him the courtesy of an executioner, which I love that line. It's essentially... Just kind of blunt reality facts all the time because we gonna die, right? The lighthouse is kitted out to look like it's in fucking Mad Max. Yeah. What do you make of this? This I actually think it's a great start to kind of act two of this movie. Uh-huh. I love where this movie exists for a while, and then it kind of just spirals off into this this deep primal essence of us stuff. But what do you sure. think about the creature inside, the creature with outside? Without or without within without, I said that wrong. Whatever I said, I said it wrong. I know that much. The metaphor in this movie exists kind of like crunchy peanut butter, right? We are like, oh, it's peanut butter, but there's tons of shit in it all the time, so it never really tastes like peanut butter. Right. That's what metaphor is in this movie. Got it. It's the peanut and the crunchy peanut. I like your analogy. That's a good. Yeah. It also says a lot about how you prefer your metaphors, which is fun. 
Um, are you? I do like crunchy peanut are butter. You asking, my wife hates it. Are you asking how I feel about the darkness of human nature? Is that the question? Is that is that what you're asking? No. Oh, okay. No. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. We're not talking about metaphors right now. Oh, okay. So I, think... I thought we were just talking about metaphors. <laughs> you just this made one. We kind of exist in two realities, right? Gross, fleshy stuff. Metaphor. Got it. Okay. So you're asking about the gross, fleshy stuff. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. I suppose so. I mean, I think it's. It's weird. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily because I think because the movie exists in this sort of fantasy realm, even though I mean it's completely plausible, I guess, that there are mer people around. Um or maybe it's not, I don't know. I'm not a scientist or a meteorologist. Uh I think that for the how do I put this? For the eeriness, maybe? Is the way to put it for the eeriness that like this movie sort of evokes a lot of the time, because there is, I think like there is this thing and this is why the movie stays interesting because I think that once, once the little dude is in the lighthouse or at least like sort of like co-living in the lighthouse, except for that time he locks him out on the fucking terrace or whatever. And like, like survive the night. Yeah. Friend dude, which is like, fuck dude. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that you have there's a good tendency that the movie could get really stale quickly, like shockingly stale and shockingly bad very quickly. That's when it becomes this like B level version of the movie, The Lighthouse, that doesn't really work. Um, mm. I think because there's this otherness that is like a proven entity, not just like some psychological issue or something like that, and or some psychological yeah. damage that these two men share. Because there's a proven entity and it's not just knocking at your door, it's literally inside your house and, you know, constantly coming after you, there's something yeah. more, it's the concrete nature of being able to see it and feel it and like yes. know it's there that I think actually makes the movie palatable, oddly enough. Because, I, yeah. I mean, and you know, we've watched enough movies where it's like, I don't necessarily right. like... I don't necessarily like having to deal with I, – I like a little more, you know, mystery in the game there. But I do think this movie yeah. does a good job of letting the – like, letting the realness of the of the scenario play out in a really f – in well, a way that yeah. keeps me engaged. I don't know if I'm – I don't know if I'm explaining The metaphor well. is so I'll, – I'll, I'll try to say what you're saying, too, because I, I agree. The metaphor in this movie is so fucking blatantly in your face, right? When that – he shoots the flare. Yeah. And we see these dark shadowy figures that look like the ocean itself moving up to get them, right? right when we right. see the the dark primordial soup coming back to drag us back in, right? Right. The metaphor is very obvious, right? Nature is coming for us. Right. What the movie then does is says, "Now we're going to fucking shoot the metaphor in the face." <laughs> and splatter its red blood everywhere so you can, you know, fucking feel us fighting back. We're not figuratively and metaphorically fighting nature we're fucking shooting its face with a shotgun right we're chopping its forehead with an axe right so that you can feel feel that in your bones right that awesome shot when the first time he sees it he's he gets a panic attack and he sinks back into the room yeah right and gruner's just out there oh, pff, 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 this fucking awesome ray stevenson moment yeah and then the next time he locks him outside too right and he's like i'm just gonna go to bed yeah 
Which kind of begs the question, why are you out there fighting them every night if your defenses are strong enough to just stay in? Yeah. Neither here nor there. I know they bring increased numbers as the movie goes on. Still, though. I, I, I wondered that <laughs> myself, but nevertheless. As their bond is disintegrating, they bring more and more uh, water folk. Right. But when he opens the door and now he's covered in the blood of the metaphor, right? Awesome. Okay, so it it is everything in this movie is supposed to be watched at a surface level. Right, we know that there are these deeper things they're getting out. Right, human nature, nature itself, yeah. man versus beast. Mm-hmm. We know that they're playing these games because they fucking bash you over the head with it. But the thing is, I I think the movie does a good job of, despite it being so concrete at all times. Yeah, the footing is so strong, right, and the actors are so good that a lot of like what Ray Stevenson's doing, right. There are moments where he flares up in rage versus friend, right? Or he goes after the creature, this and that. Right. Where those moments are actually played with the subtlety that the metaphor never gets, right? That mm-hmm. The treatment of that never happens. But these kind of unsaid things that hang between men, I think that's where the movie does a great, great job. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, he... <laughs> I know what you're about to say. We 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 do the Gruner is an island, right? Yeah, yeah. Love that, right? Man is island, this, that. All right, kind of cool. We get this art shit. And then he comes back in and the I think the the caption literally said rhythmic thumping. And he walks up and Gruner's just blasting this creature. There's a really strange decision is that the creature's hand goes up under his like on his lat area. And then Friend just goes back downstairs and he's just kind of like, hey, man, uh, get water. We got to fight tonight. <laughs> right. Or actually, that's what he says. He's like, Gruner's an island. I don't need to carry dead weight as he's like going outside to wash himself off, I guess. And we just kind of let that hang, man. And the movie does a great job of just letting those things hang. Right. Those lulls between violence where we're, we're fighting the metaphor of the movie, I think, is where it's really fun. Like yeah. it's it's really a well written script, right? The I like the voiceover can be a little monotonous, right? Yeah. Is he just start saying how could he, uh, you know, I've been seeking peace through nothingness. Well, no shit, right? Just like no time traveler who has a great think, life goes back in time. I think because normally we know that if you're on this rock, you're bad. Yeah. But I I like those because even that right when he's just like how could he like her cold skin? Well, don't say that. Like just show the it. title of the but movie. In this movie, it's not. It's not obnoxious to me. For so- the voiceover is fine, and yeah. I think it's what the script, when it chooses not to say stuff, that's where kind of the brilliance of the script happens because it says almost everything at some point. Yeah, I think that but it gives you those moments of pause. I think to help it work. Yeah, I think in terms of voiceover, it works because it locks you in pretty quickly to that gothic horror aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I think that other, if it was any other movie, I wouldn't be able to tolerate it because I just I think that voiceover, I watched adaptation too many times. It is like one of those like really weird <laughs> crutches, but this works. It's not good usually, but this works really well because of the aesthetic and because of like the general story that's set up. Is like this mm-hmm. gothic horror. Like this is a guy who is like these are two solitary dudes. We're not going to ever be able to hear what Gruner's inner thoughts are because it's probably just, oh, I got to fuck that fish and then drink some booze and then, you know, kill some more fish and fuck that fish again. Like, the, you know, Gruner's got a real <laughs> Gruner's got a real id inner monologue. Um, I yeah. think what's good. Hope she don't get pregnant, bro. 
Oh man. She got one of your kids, got you for 18 years. <laughs> That's what Gruner's hearing. It's just Kanye. Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Dirty gold dishes. Different exotic fishes. <laughs> Different, Different exotic, exotic dishes. Oh. Dirty hot bitches that are exotic fishes. <laughs> He's just hearing Kanye lyrics in his head the whole time. That's why we were only like Bruner is an island, and the lighthouse on said island is Kanye West. They, ori- they originally were going to do. They originally were going to do these juxtaposing voiceovers, but they realized that yeah, Gruner was only listening to Kanye West in his head, and they're like, oh, we can't do that. Gruner as a I only listen to Kanye guy is probably the best thing I've ever. Yeah, that's like good. that fits so that goddamn fits really perfect. Well. I mean, there might, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to maybe supercut some. <laughs> Granted, I'm not sure where you're allowed to find license free, uh, unlicensed Kanye music, but I certainly would. Oh, my God. Kanye's probably the one guy that would find our podcast and nuke us from space. Absolutely. 1,000%. That's what Kanye, Kanye is also an island. Kanye is an uh, island, but- as is Gruner. But the dude, the dude's voiceover works because he's this, you know, piece through nothing the piece through nothing this thing is a great like oh that's why we have to hear this guy's inner monologue because it's like it's meaningful voiceover and it doesn't like just like tell me it okay that's a lie it does tell you things you're already seeing and you that you already know but like there it's it's part of the vibe i think right well they they do that like here's an example of this they do that he's seen them fuck they don't say anything they got a battle the next thing we see is him watching her swim. Mm-hmm. We cut back to in the house where he's, you know, whittling a whalebone or whatever. Right. And he's definitely just listening to the sounds of them fuck again. Right. Right. And right before he had said, how can he not be repulsed by her cold skin? Right. He gives her a name. So although he's telling us these things that we should just see he's thinking as he's listening to them fuck. Right. He's at least kind of asking questions more than telling us at some points. Right? Like, it's kind of like just imagine how cold her skin is. Right. Which, if you're not a nautically inclined person, if you're not a fisherman, we see her wearing a big sweater. Right? Yeah. She obviously lives in the house, so she doesn't... She's not like a fully aquatic creature. She's kind of an amphibious creature. Yeah. So you're like... She's like a no more. Okay, like... Right, but I, I was like, I don't know that I immediately would have thought cold pussy. Right? Right. What's that weird? sounded crude as soon as I said it. If the movie was called, I mean, it's called Cold Skin. We should have called it Cold Pussy. I think what's weird is while he is listening to that, there is like this, like in real faintly in the distance, you can hear. <laughs> yeah, it's strange that they they do do some strange things in this film. No one man should have all this pussy. <laughs> Oh. That's like Gr- <laughs> oh. no one Gruner. That's actually how it is. That's actually the night. That, the <laughs> night that he. The night after they kill all those mermen, and he hears that song. That's what he's hearing. Actually, that's the. That's the. That's the. That's the morning hymn of the mer people. Oh, but we're still going to get sued by Kanye. We're Kanye. But yeah, what I think is, <laughs> I don't think that's something the audience would think. That's a tactile and important distinction the movie makes. Yeah. 
even though it's called cold skin, until he mentions that, I had never thought of that creature with actually cold skin. Yeah. No more cold than anyone on this fucking desolate rock. Absolutely. Right? So I think it's the, the movie uses it. How could he not be repulsed by the cold skin, which is a way to highlight the bestiality nature, right? Because right? there, there is a thought, right? This is a Jay and Silent Bob bit, right? But like, if you saw an alien, would you fuck it? Yeah, man. Yeah. Because everyone would say, hey, there's homeboy. homeboy. You fucked an alien. Fucked an alien. And I think most of us would be like, yeah, I think I talked about it on Species. I would die that way, for sure. If they sent me on a mission to like bang throughout the universe, I would put it on the line to do that. Well, I mean, if that's your mission, yeah. Because, because why not? Because why not? At least you contributed something to the universe. To be the first at anything is a great, well, not anything. Yeah, but, let's not get into that. <laughs> so I, I would imagine there's a lot of people who watch this movie that would go, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I would like to groon her right now. And the movie has to stop us and say, no. No, you would not. No. no. Have you, the movie ma- the have movie you heard Jesus? To, no, you do not. Yes. The movie goes to extraordinary lengths to make it seem unappealing, mm-hmm. except for when she slides the hand up. Right. Right? Because this is essentially a, a Stockholm Syndrome captive sexual Did assault Did you think kind at any movie. point the reason she's doing that is she's like trying to get the courage to fucking straight up murder him? No, I, I think she is a creature because I believe he said he found her on the rocks. He kind of brought her in and right, saved right, her. Yeah. So there are two kind of reads. One, this is this is obviously an unacceptable pairing that Gruner has. Because essentially he just it's not great. has sex with this thing and beats it all the time. Right. I think he said, a, 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 you know, a battered dog will never leave its master. So Gruner's a, a piece of shit. Terrible. Or just a straight up piece of shit. Right, right. So I was like, either he has broken the mind of this creature or the creature has some kind of, because they, they, they hint at, they we don't really ever know how far along, right? Because he said, what if they're just dumb fish, this and that. But I think later when we see uh, Anaris's baby... She looks in full control. She understands who he is. She understands the gift and the sh- the, the seashell bed, mm-hmm. right? So I think they are a more cognizant creature than the movie lets on at the start. It's kind of Gruner's our only entry point to that. That sounds wrong. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> damn. But I think what the movie's telling us is that I don't know. Is this a uh, like a dark little mermaid? Like she just wanted to be part of this world. Maybe she had something going because like them fleeing to this rock to escape something. Is she doing that as well? I don't think that's right. Because the, case the at mo- all. well, the movie asked the question, right? Why does she sing and lure her people onto the rocks to get slaughtered constantly? And it's a good question I had, right? Because we see her have free mobility through the island to go swim in the wave pools and. You know, even to bang the other guy. Friend eventually, as he's like, ew, gross, I can't believe Gruner did that. He's like, oh, okay, I will too. Friend definitely starts banging this creature too. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so why does Anaris not escape? And so it's either the Stockholm Syndrome, right? Like she's she's been psychologically battered and broken by Gruner to where, you know, she thinks she has to come back, right? Right. Makes perfect sense. Or, because the movie sets up that this rock is a place to escape something you're running from. Right. I think that kind of takes away from the the sting of what Gruner is doing. Right? Mm-hmm. I think, it, in a way, I don't like it because I think that thought that I was going down, it, it kind of excuses what Gruner is. Right. 
which I don't like. Because this is the thing. Gruner is a man who has suffered so much loss, he's invented a new character to be. Right. Right? You could make the case that when he's given this gift of nature, right, to meet this other creature who he could form a loving relationship, a la Shape of Water, that he decides since nature took away his wife, he's going to just hurt and batter this wondrous gift from the universe, right? This this ability to form a bond with another creature. I don't know if I'm saying clumsy words as I try to explain away. No, I mean, like I, I see what you're saying though. Like what you're, it's basically it's not that you're trying. It's not about. It's if Michael Shannon would have banged that merman to like show him his power right. instead of just having it's, a cattle prod. Well, it's not about. That's what Gruner's doing, right? And like through that, you have to look at this sort of like. It's not about justifying behavior because there is no justification for it, but like. Gruner's grief is I think it's weird that they add that hand in the movie. Right? Yeah. I, I just think it's a, a not great choice. There's another way to show her because it, it makes think, it seem like she's even if you think about it as an adult, you're like, she's playing the part so Gruner won't I think Gruner's grief hurt I think her. Gruner's grief is so overwhelming. Like there's something so overwhelming and I get it. Like there's something so overwhelming about grief that changes you fundamentally as a person. Like I think that's I think that's a really important thing about not to justify like what he did because it's clearly monstrous and terrible, but to go through something traumatic and not change who you are as a person on a molecular level is we, that would be strange. And like, I think the other, like to speak to that argument, if he was like that way with his, what his wife or whatever, like if he was that way with his family, no, like, absolutely not. There has to I be an explanation. I think the movie's trying to tell us that before he was Gruner, he was this other man that could have been okay. Before he was Gruner, he was right? before he was Gruner, he was friend. Like he was trying to be a better person. He was trying to live in this like he was someone who had love. He had he achieved had something love, in the he military. Was also, someone he was, trying to find peace through nothingness. Like you don't. There's go... also this weird like they show the Franz Ferdinand article, which popped off World War Two. And then he's dressed in what looks like that same kind of uniform in his picture. And then at the end, it's World War it's World War One or two, whichever one. I think World War Franz Ferdinand kicked off World War too. One. one of the two, right? I I remember the band Franz Ferdinand way more than the fucking man who got shot. I'm sure you do. Um, as most of us. Sadly, do. I'm a big I'm a big dum dum. Um, I'm a big, a big dum dum. Yes. And sometimes when I'm watching my people having sex with not human movies, not real ones. Not real ones, just fun ones like this, like Shape of Water. Um, a little history falls into my dip, right? Sure. You're like, all right, I'll still eat it. I, I'll still eat it. I think that – I think it's hard to – like, Gruner is such a monstrous character. It's a weird thing to imagine him being anything other than – like, to get him to this point, it's someone who has to suffer catastrophic loss and then on top of that have to – try very hard to do what friend is doing which is find this peace through nothingness and fail so miserably that when he sees the first companion he'll see in you know however long because do you think that there was an actual like other weather observer there or was it him i because i gotta be like i'm not sure it's very suspect to me do you think do you think Gruner was the original weather observer? 
and it was like was there another guy ever there or was he always alone mm. i think there had to be at some point two of them they're two different jobs right because they call the one guy weather observer the other call the other call the other guy lighthouse technician is there a chance that he came as the weather guy right because he talks about how this is a more of a military post that has value than a weather post obviously they're just out there with little fucking sticks and compasses and shit right they're not forecasting back weather to the right, it's right. bad it's cold and yeah. it's wet every day <laughs> right. we're not doing the we're not doing the perfect story. you can get that yeah. weather report yeah immediately you could do that weather report after one day there um there is a chance that gruner went in there because we see earlier that gruner's like scratching on the rocks right he's like scratched his name into the rocks and this and that yeah. So there's a chance that, yes, he also found himself in trouble. Maybe what I imagine in my head is that him and the other guy found this creature, right? And maybe through like a Gollum scenario, right? Smeagol Gollum. He wants this creature for himself. He maybe kills the other lighthouse keeper. Yeah, that makes sense. And takes this creature. Right. And then the this, this psychology of him being alone and what he's doing for so long. Right. Killing all these creatures, banging this creature, killing another uh, innocent man for his lust that he creates this Gruner character. I think it's kind of a Gollum Smeagol in my head. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a good chance that he was the lighthouse keeper who then became or the, the weatherman who then became who's a military officer placed there and then became right. the lighthouse technician. I think there's a great chance that that's the case. I think there's times we see, right, like when they try to play chess. I think we see that he was once a normal guy, and now he just he's struggling to refind a way to connect with a human he used to be. Right. So to me, that switching of personality kind of hints at that too. There's this great scene when he sits outside frozen, right? He's trying to fucking blast all the toads to hell. Yeah. But he sits out there all night frozen, his eyes open. He looks like Nicholson at the Pretty end of the awesome. Shining. Pretty awesome. And friend, oh, it's awesome moment, right? And friend pulls his hand off slowly. And there's this moment of compassion and joy almost from Ray Stevenson's Gruner. Mm -hmm. Where he almost can't believe he still has a moment of kindness that the world is offering him. Yeah. Right? The world is this cold reality that he sat in all night. And the moment of this guy helping him, even for but a second, he's okay. Because there are weird moments, right? Like, why would does Gruner take this guy out to the, the wreckage right after he sees him bang Anaris, <laughs> right. right? And you're like, oh, he's going to betray him and leave him out there in the scuba suit to die. Right. All right, well, what he really wanted was the, the dynamite. Like, why, once Friend bangs Anaris, now he becomes obsessed with total toad apocalypse. Why? Right? It's almost, well, no, I mean, you kind of see it, right? There's just this, if he can't have it, he yeah, must destroy it. That's exactly it. what it is. Right? And so it's a, it's a weird switch, but that switch, that moment of him kind on the, the, the frost-riddled lighthouse comes after they've already gotten all the dynamite. Right? Yeah. So I think he realizes that he is again destroying these things around him. Mm -hmm. Right? He could have a friend. He could have love. And he's destroying them because he in that that moment of realization where he's frozen and must pause and think about it. I think Ray Stevenson plays the weight of that moment beautifully. I mean, it's. It's 
hard to contemplate that level of loneliness. I think that's like the, you know, you and I are both very lucky and we're with people that we love and, you know, it's hard to contemplate how lonely you have to get where it's hard to contemplate how lonely you have to get to where like when you see something, even when it's another person that you've been like longing to spend time with at this point to be so possessive of this scenario, not even a person of just the scenario that you're willing to blow the whole thing out. It's pretty fucking crazy. And then it becomes a whole thing at the end with, you know, I mean, but see, and that like becomes this whole oddity about the end when he like shouts like, no one leaves Gruner. Like it's a whole thing. Right. And especially because we know it's not his name. There's, there's a psychosis to it now, but so he, I mean, eventually they blow the fuck out of this dynamite to where they're all fucked up. They're walking around the next morning slowly stabbing the toad, right? Don't waste ammo. Gruner's back to Stone Cold. One of them is a a woman character, much like Anaris, who actually has a crafted necklace, Mm -hmm. which shows that these are not dumb fish that are just, you know, missling to dinner to dinner, right? These are creatures that have a culture and a family, right? I still don't know that they ever ask answer his question of why does she lure them onto the rocks to be slaughtered? And then I think they kind of answer it in the because they hear the sounds again, but distant, yeah. right? When he's like, she always comes back. um, Right? And he does the look at what we've done, mm-hmm. man. Like, we fucked up. And Runer doesn't give a shit. But when he hears their sounds in the distance, that kind of whale song thing. Yeah. And friend is like, they're mourning. Right? I think there's a way that with this real emotional trauma, they hear her sad song up there, whether she thinks she got captured or why she keeps going back. I don't know. Right. Right. She some kind of the captor has broken her and now she returns for punishment. Maybe there's some backstory of why she fled to this island in the first place and he was able to help or whatever. But I think that it's showing that these creatures are not because it's an illogical move. If these were just a predatory species and they were losing hundreds of them to raiding the rock every night, they'd stop going. Yeah. Right? Like, if you watch animals in nature, a lot of animals, you're hurt, man. The herd leaves you. Mm -hmm. Right? The fact that they don't and they keep coming back to her and she keeps having hope that they will is to illustrate to us that they are they are closer to us than a, than a creature. Right. Well, and right, not they're only willing that, to do the illogical because of an emotional reason. Right. And the juxtaposition being that Gruner is so far removed from this like level of humanity. Oh, a thousand percent beast. We didn't right? need like, to be like we didn't need to be informed of, but at the same time it also it does it is a yeah, it is like a really <laughs> fascinating visual thing to be like, "Oh wow, we are not cool." We don't need the Kevin McAllister talk boy saying I'm a pizza as I crush Little Caesars. Yeah. I'm like, I know. Yeah, we get it. That's a hat Every on, slice, it's, it's a hat on a hat. Pizza again. It's a hat yeah. on a hat. I get it. Yes. But they really drive this home. Yeah. Because <laughs> he could find a lifeboat. He kind of kills that idea because he knows Friend is leaving. He knows Anaris is leaving. Yeah. Anaris comes back. Time is kind of an amorphous concept in this. It's a movie almost removed from time, and I think that's important, right? Beard is a, beards are our only timekeeper in this movie, um, but she comes back and now she is with the child, right? And he's made this little boat that he leaves in one of the rock circles mm-hmm. for them, right? And there's this moment where they see each other, right? And the the tribesmen are not attacking, right? They might be nervous and on edge because this is new for them, but with Anaris's leadership in the front of the group with her child, or we assume it's her child, right? It might not be. Yeah. 
you see that they are calm. They're ready to reason. And they know that Friend is one of these characters. Because she's defended Friend against even Gruber yeah, yeah. at one point when they're fighting. Mm -hmm. So she knows that he is a different kind of human being. And Gruner comes out, and he's like, I said inside, no one leaves Gruner. But when he first sees Anaris, he tears up and he smiles. Yeah. He's ecstatic that his creature has come back. And then cannot contemplate the idea that it's gone bad to where he shoots a flare, flare, gun, flare gun rocket and murders this kid. And it's the final... It's pretty... He's so fucking far it's gone. Pretty gnarly, man. I gotta be honest. Like I was I was not expecting that to be part of this ending, and I was like, whoa. That is Yeah, he goes so it's so fucking I mean, he's really at this point just killing any chance yeah. that anything can turn around, right? Because even with all the dead that we've seen, Anaris is coming with them and saying, guys, let's just fucking squash this. Mm -hmm. Right? There's a chance that Anaris will still come to see him. That they can still have a companionship of sorts, yeah. right? But now it will be on equal footing, and he murders her child in front of her. To the point where him and Friend start fighting. And just the idea that Friend calls him by his actual human name. And says, you're not a murderer, Aldous, or whatever his name is, right? Yeah. Aldous Dumbledore, you're not a murderer. <laughs> and it's like, yes, he is. Read those books. Yes, yeah. he is. This dude's a murderer. Um, yeah. And Gruner just gives up and just walks outside to be consumed by the nature he's violated for so long. Isn't that just if like... If there's a problem with the movie, I think that last beat is not as poetic as it thinks it is. Yeah, I think that... I, I agree with that. But isn't that... For Gruner to just hear... Because he has tarot cards in his picture of his wife yeah. and, like, I love you, whatever. I don't think that is a poetic... I don't think there's a poetry in this movie for almost any... It's a real, like you know knuckles on concrete wall kind of movie which is kind of fascinating because again there are these aspects to it that are very like i said like i said like rom like gothic romantic drama type thing yeah. that are like not for it to end that way would this, seem it is a very gothic ghost story ending that's yeah. a good point you make i think like for it to end the way it does it it's like it makes sense because of the aesthetics that they're putting forward but it, i agree right. with there's you. no more nature for him to maim beyond that child But i agree with you like there is a level to it that feels a little it's not wrong like i mean it right it, they should consume him and they do and that's correct and like that's what the, yeah. that's what should happen and i do think like the poetry of it though is yeah a little bit it's a little more brutal than i think they is brutal the right word a little more brutal than i think they were. i'm gonna say it's the right word for now but either way i there, there is not enough time between him killing that child for us to feel a moment of empathy with him. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's that's the key ingredient that's, that's not there. That's a good way there. to put it. Yeah, agreed. We don't feel sad for him that, oh, look, little Aldous had a hard life, and it's now we feel bad. Please don't die. I was like, die. dude, you just like, killed a kid. Fish rip him not open. Okay. My theory is, is that his wife died in childbirth, mm -hmm. and so when he sees his other sexy time partner – Maybe for a second, he's like, does that little fish have a beard? And he's like, is that a little Gruna? Is that and so Gruna? he sees that he sees that this other creature he had made bed with now has a child. And it brings up that his wife died in childbirth. And he's seeing a child when he never had his child. I think this is the this is actually the problem. Because why doesn't he shoot her? Why doesn't he shoot Anaris? I think this is the problem is all right. of these things. These are complicated emotions to go through. Right. 
they happen way too quickly. And so fucking fast. Like, in a really kind of like methodically paced film, this yeah, just goes real the quick. The ending comes so quickly in this moment, which has like a lot. Like Gruner, the ending comes quickly. <laughs> which has so many complex emotions. Like those are complex things to have to go through in like what, you know, what would be the span of like 30 seconds probably in like real, real lifetime. Yeah. it That's what becomes unearned is that there's no... There's no attempt at pathos. There's no attempt at because you can't. You have to end this movie in a timely fashion. Yeah, there, there's no ability whatsoever for us to give a shit that all this is is sad. I think also that there's and no that him inkling. walking out is oh well I'm sad or he's getting relief like we feel nothing for. Yeah, Bruno. I think the other problem too is that there's no inkling that all this fish fucking created a little a little gruner with a beardy. Like that, I think I'm is saying I think problem. he's seeing the ghost of Victorian ghost style, right? Sure, sure. I think he's seeing the ghost of the child and family he never had, but it's like an abomination in his mind. Yeah, but right? see, like, and even that, which make would make sense had there been a scene in the movie earlier. Like, he doesn't yeah. want to talk about it. Ever. Had he had a toy in there instead of tarot cards? Had he had any? Had there like, had he there was been a man a scene, who was searching for answers? Had there been a scene where him Anyways, and friend discussed it at all? It yeah. would have like then I was like that's eh, a little more earned I think because there, there's it just happened no, so quickly yeah. and out of nowhere there's, you're like mm, okay there's no way out and you couldn't find an actor who could play the fucking hard mountain of a man that is Gruner yeah. and still be as vulnerable as he did as Ray Stevenson he does a masterful job of acting yeah. it's just at that moment there is nothing left in Gruner for us to mourn there was no possibility of a better life there was no we're sad that his life went tits up. He murders a child right in front. So there's just no poetry to that. And I think the ending, because there's no poetry, the ending has to be brutal. Yeah. We have to watch him dragged on rocks, broken, battered. We have to watch a Neris be the one that rips his fucking throat out. Yeah. That eats his face off as he looks at her and says, please, mercy. Right. She has to turn around and kill it. And we don't get any of that. Yeah. There's not. So that the ending of Gruner kind of falls flat. And honestly, I think the. I think the him becoming the new Gruner, right, is the warships a mess, and he kind of cries as he knows now he'll be taken back to society. Even if you imagine him and Anaris have set up this, like, side piece deal where she's mostly a merfolk, but she can come visit him at the lighthouse. Yeah. I think that that Gruner was made by this this crushing weight of tragedy. Yeah. And we don't get the sense that our Gruner's still writing, our friend is still writing to someone back home, right? Mm -hmm. I see now that I was running f for uh, to find peace through whatever. So he still has someone back home to write this fucking journal to, it seems or like. Or does he? If I remember the narration, there's, there's something there. But him just saying, now I'm going to be the unwashed Gruner in the Long Johns and Hammered all the time. It doesn't work. That, I, I, look, I don't I, think friend is the same. I'm going to say Unless this. you're saying that Anaris' kid dying is an equal level tragedy for him as Gruner, the first Gruner losing his whole family. Right. I don't know that the ending sticks yeah, on this one I'm going to say this. For a movie that really does a lot with kind of a, like, not a little in terms of like set pieces, that kind of thing, but a lot with a little in terms of like plot movement. Like the movie feels like it moves very well. The ending falls so hard onto like this like pyre of rocks and stabs through stabs itself through the head you're like huh all right yeah well, I'm, I'm gonna walk yeah. away now 
Like it's just one of those. Are we all Gruner inside? It's like one of those things. By fighting our Gruner, do we become Gruner ourselves? It's like when you're like, so right. And see, this is the other problem though, is that question that you're asking gets answered like, I don't know, 15 yeah. minutes before the end of this movie. And you're like, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't kill a kid. Yeah. I wouldn't kill a kid. Yeah, I don't care how it. fucking I, mad and sad I was. I don't give a shit. That's I would maybe kill it. her. I would kill every one of those other people. Yeah. I'm not killing I'd that like, kid. Probably. It's one of those things where you're like, yeah. that's So something. I'm not a gruner. Yeah. I know I'm not a gruner. Thank <laughs> and you. And neither is friend. Because friend slaughters a ton of people in this movie. Yeah. It's, he's not going to kill that kid. He still has a way out. It's so like he's still not thing, gruner. It's okay. You know, when if you've ever had like a big family meal, someone is carrying something to the table and the, like the bowl or the plate or something just drops and hits the floor. Everything splatters. It's gone everywhere. And. The reaction's like, <gasps> all right, let's clean it up. That's like the end of this movie is you're just like one of those things. You're like, huh, okay, well, we got to clean it up anyway. So it's just, you know, that, that's over. We're, we're good. Yeah, this, it, again, it's they're going for a poetry, Yeah, right? But we see when Friend tries to make peace with them, he's not a Gruner. He's not able to defeat Gruner. So he's not this violent, horrible right. thing still. He's not Gruner. It doesn't fucking Somebody's work. Made- and while Gruner may be a man who's hiding at the end of the world, yeah. that doesn't mean anything. The metaphor I make for the end of this movie is somebody has made this beautiful meal and dropped it on the ground, and then we order pizza. That is it. That is the that's the only way I can really describe the ending of this movie. Okay, so I was looking this up. I was like, does Gruner in German mean like, is this like monster? Is this like the Vader no. father thing? Yeah, the Gruner name comes from the Middle High German word Gruin, okay. which means greenery. As a surname, it likely evolved from a topographic name for someone who lived in a green and leafy place. So Gruner is the name of someone who wishes he wasn't on this desolate rock with cold-skinned babes? Hmm. Anywho, I thought that was going to be the key. There, there's, no, <laughs> there's no setup for the Gruner. No. There, there's no... And again, this is a movie that is to me I, I love the writing in this yeah, movie. Yeah, me too. It's good. And that's a great that's a great compliment with that much voiceover. Yeah. I love the acting in this movie. I love the creature work in this movie, right? When she runs and dives in the end and swims away, like that's the moment I've been waiting for. Absolutely. Underneath the warships that humans are now entering their evolutionary pool, so we will probably infect them with our own grunerness, right? That stuff kind of works for me. Um I love the action of this movie. I think when they when they fight, it is a pretty cool, a real fucking bare knuckle fight kind of a movie. Like it's it's a violent movie that that works for me. Totally, I like the location. The cinematography is great. This movie, the score is great. Like pretty much everything about this movie works for me. And at the very end of the movie, they do the oh we can, we can make this a little more art house, and. I don't know if anyone can explain to me the Gruner thing at the end. Because, again, we do this sure. a lot, and we, we, we are the masters of the, oh, what if this is all a dream ending and this and that? Like, there, there's, there's no reason that he is calling himself Gruner now. No. Is he mourning the loss of the guy that we just spent the whole movie with? No. no. I, what? He's going back to society, to and he doesn't want it? In a 110-minute movie, we just had to end the movie. And there's, like, there's a... Right. That I think is and I'm not saying it's like a bad ending. I'm saying pistol pistol to your head. Why did the writer and director say he should say he's Gruner? <laughs> because he's no longer of that world and he knows he's going back? That's pretty dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> not to be mean, that sounded really harsh. I love this movie. Yeah. 
That's but it's not just, a strong. It's just moment. It's how it had to end. I don't know. Like I don't know. Like again, I. The, We're all Gruner. The beautifully. And she's Anaris is running and swimming deep to dodge our Grunerness. I guess we just we ordered pizza. We had to order pizza because we ruined yeah. the big meal. He became the monster that he fought, and the abyss is the mer people looking up and going, "Woof! Those people are insane." sure why not yeah you know what i mean it's kind of one of those but i still a good movie it's competent is an underselling of this movie it's 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 almost mature in how how disciplined the movie is throughout Sure. yeah and the movie is not a movie that really seems to sink to lesser instincts agreed Right, like, what if we add this? And like, it, it really like, is a fucking very, mermaid, very disciplined movie. Mermaid fucking's probably as lowbrow as it gets in this movie, and that's not that bad to be honest. But they you. don't make it grotesque. No, they don't no, really no, no, dwell no, no. on it. It's it's kind of just like a oh, this is what we like, do. It's huh? just, this is what people do. like to say that is like oh, sex is the gnarliest thing we're gonna see in this movie, other than like killing a kid at the end. Like it's just a violation of taboos, natural order. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I mean. Again, I just think it's such a strong movie from start to almost finish. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the ending like ruins the movie for me. You're right. No. At that point, once he kills that kid and Gruner's eaten, you could just go to black. Yeah, that's it. Right? That we have become the monsters we fought. I don't need just the tag at the end. end. Like it doesn't matter yeah. at all for one second. I don't yeah, care I just, what the cycle of abuse. I don't care what the cycle of abuse of the silent is. Just move on. That's what I'm saying. And there there's just I love the the tonality and the atmosphere of the movie. I just mm -hmm. and it was just awesome to watch Ray Stevenson just dominate. I miss Ray Stevenson. Like, I hadn't watched any of his work since he passed away, mm -hmm. which usually I try to do when someone who I really appreciated does. Just got busy. So when we came up with this, the pod gets whipped idea, this is the first thing that came to my mind. And I just, I, I loved that man. Same. I loved that man. And we lost like a real fucking treasure. Agreed. Like a real fucking treasure of an actor. I agree. That's it for Cold Skin. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, the pod still got to get wet. We have some great month. aquatic adventures here. Lead, yeah, great aquatic adventures leading up to 31 days, 31 pods. The October Mega Marathon is nigh. We stand on the edge of the abyss of the horror Mega Marathon. 31 days, 31 pods. The only way to make sure you get all 31, go to patreon.com slash film alchemist pod uh support the show right at the uh spanish peacock level you are able to get every episode no that's not true spanish peacock and then kurgan level if you're kurgan level you'll get every episode for the month of october we do have a highlander theme tiered system so if you can support the show and if you would be kind enough patreon.com slash film alchemist pod make sure you get every single episode in the 31 days i mean it's not as poetic to say 28 days right 21 28 movies in 31 days you won all 31 so go to patreon.com slash film alchemist pod it's gonna be a good one this year the episodes we've recorded i'm very proud of i like the ones dare i say this might be our best october mega marathon i mean we say that every year here's my thing as long as we're always making way. 31 pods in 31 days the best one every year that's that's then we. Can, I feel that way truly every year. It's such a great time to do. I always feel like we do it better every year. So, yeah. yes, 
All right, YouTube Film Alchemist, the email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all the socials. Yeah. Make sure you leave five-star ratings and reviews for us. Don't be a gruna. Help us out. Don't be an island. Help us out. Yeah, don't Let, be an island come, unless come you're on it island. with us. If you're going to be on a podcast, be alone with us yeah, exactly. in the podcast. That'll we're save great. you. Yeah. You won't commit war crimes against nature. Or at least if you do, don't take the pods out. Don't have us in your ears when you're committing crimes against nature. Oh, hey, oh. <laughs>